Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're glad that you're here. I hope that you experience what it's like if you're here for the first time. I hope that you experience what it's like to be part of the church. That's kind of the idea we believe at Faith Go that everybody here is created and designed to be part of, of his church. And we believe that God wants to fulfill his purpose through your life from being connected to the church. But most of all, our desire is that you encounter a real God, that God speaks to you today, that somehow through the word, somehow through the singing and all that we do through the people, maybe even through a cup of coffee, that you encounter a very, very real God. We are continuing a series today called I Am, and we're talking about the identity of Christ, but we're not talking about the identity of Christ from the opinion of anybody. We're talking about the identity of Christ from the words himself. You see, from, from his own words. You see, at some point in our lives, we all have to wrestle with who Jesus is. Whether you're a believer or not, you have to come to, you have to, come to grips with who Jesus is to you. You can't just ignore it. You have to come to grips with that. Maybe for some people, he might be a historical figure, or somebody from way back in the Bible days. Maybe he's not even real to some people. Maybe he was a martyr. Maybe he was a prophet. Maybe he was just a good person or whatever. But the truth is, you have to come to grips with who Jesus was. In fact, if someone were to ask you, hey, who is Jesus to you? What would be your answer? That's the idea of I am. Remember this. Our decision of the identity of Christ determines our lives today our lives in the future, and ultimately our eternal destination. Let me say that again. Your definition or your identity of Christ determines not only your life today, but also your future and ultimately your eternal destiny. Now, we've been talking about the phrase, I am. We talked the first week about how Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. We talked about how Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. Today I want to talk to you about when Jesus said, I am the vine. And that's in John, the 15th chapter, in the first verse. He says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, and he withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in me. What did Jesus mean by that phrase, I am the vine? I want to talk to you about that today as we open up the Word of God, talk about what this passage reveals and what our response should be. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here today as we open up your Word. I pray that we will open up our hearts and minds to receive what your Spirit would say to us today. 
This, this we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's April 15th. Now, you know what April 15th is, right? Well, actually, I was going to remind you, April 15th means that you need to make sure you have all your taxes done. But since you brought up the fact that it's my birthday, thank you very much. Hey, it's, hey for us, birthdays in my house, birthday is a very, very special thing. We celebrate it for a week, by my request, of course. But we celebrate it, uh, I mean, if you think about it, I went another year without dying. So that should be celebrated. You should celebrate your birthdays. Uh, for our home, it's, it's kind of festive. We, like I say, we have a birthday week, and you use it as, as leverage to get what you want for an entire week. Hey, guys, we're going to eat. Where do you want to go? I want to go here. Well, I want to go here. Yeah, but it's my birthday week. Oh, it's his birthday week, so we got to go where he wants to go. Hey, I want to go see this movie. Well, we, we want to go see this one. Well, I want to go see this one. Hey, guys, birthday week. Oh, we defer to him. So however you want to celebrate your birthday, we celebrate me living another year. So I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, golly, he doesn't look, he doesn't look 42. That's not what you were thinking? Well, then let's move on to the message, okay? Let me ask you a question. What if you knew you only had one day left to live? In fact, what if you knew that next Thursday was your last day here on earth? Who would you spend it with? What would you do? What would you say to the people that are around you? Who, what people would you bring into your life on, on that last day? We, because this passage of Scripture was recorded from the last night of Jesus' life. These are some of the last words of Jesus. I believe it's like John, the 13th chapter, throughout the, like the 16th or 17th chapter, are the last words of Jesus. I mean, have you ever thought about that? If you, had, if you knew next Thursday you had 24 hours left to live, you knew that on Thursday morning you woke up with the knowledge that, that I have 24 hours left to live. Who would you spend that time with? And what would you say to those people? I mean, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be careless with your words, would you? I mean, if you knew it, you had 24 hours left to live, you'd bring your family and you'd bring some close people, whatever, you'd bring some people around you and you would say some things and just say, hey, these are kind of the, this is what I want to leave you with. Well, that's the passage of Scripture that I just read to you. These were the last, some of the last words of Jesus to his disciples. Let me just go there real quickly. These were some, this, this time that Jesus spent was in an, in an upper room. It was a room separated from everybody else. He says, I want you to go up there, and I want you to prepare a meal. And they eat what, is, what we know as the Last Supper. So they had the Last Supper. And then as he did that, the Bible says he, he took off his outer garment, and he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he does something that just shocked all of them as being master, as being Lord, as being Messiah, as a miracle worker, he said to this, he said, I want you to get this into your mind and into your spirit. If you're going to be great, you need to learn how to serve others. And let me show you what it looks like. And he kneels down in front of every one of them and he washes every one of their feet as a servant or as a slave would do in those days. He then reveals his betrayer, He's about to have these intimate moments where he talks to his disciples and he talks about the Holy Spirit and he talks about all of these things that they're going to do. But first order of business is we've got to reveal the snake in the grass. So he looks over at Judas with all of the shock and with all the dismay and he says, Judas, go do 
what you know it is that you're going to do. And once Judas leaves, Jesus begins to say some very intimate, very important things to his disciples. And then he tells all of his disciples in this moment, he said, listen, you're all going to, be, you're all going to abandon me. Here in just a few hours, you're all going to abandon me. And they're like, no, we'll never leave you. We'll never abandon. And Peter says, Lord, even though I die, you know how Peter is. He was the first one to talk and, you know, he would get in trouble many times. He was the first one out of the boat. All these, all these things that are happening. Peter said, Lord, I will never, never deny you even if I die with you. And Jesus says, Peter, <laughs> you know the story. Before the rooster crows three times or before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. But it's okay. It's okay, Peter. Listen, the devil wants to sift you as sweet. He wants to destroy your life. But I'm praying for you, Peter. And once you, you're going to have a downtime in your life when this happens. But once you get it all back together, your brothers here, they need you. So strengthen your brothers, Peter. I'm going to be gone, and nobody else is going to be around. You're going to be the leader of this group, and I'm putting this in your hands. So strengthen your brothers. They need you. And then he goes on to say some other things. He says, he commands the disciples to love one another. He said, it's really important. I give you this commandment, and I leave you with this commandment, that you guys need to be tight. You need to love one another. In fact, he gathers them all together, and he prays for them. He says, I pray that they, are, they become one. If you're going to start the church, if you're going to start this revolutionary thing called the church, then you better be one. So he prays that they're one, and he prays that the entire church, when he leaves, he's, this prophecy that he says, I want the entire church all over the world to become one. And then he goes on to say, listen, guys, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. In the future, there are going to be some messiahs. When I'm gone, they're going to try to mimic the things that I'm going to do. They might even work some miracles. But you remember what I said, and you remember the things that I did. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. I am the way. And then in this passage, Jesus gives us a little bit of insight and I believe that this, it was very important. He would not have said this the last night that he was alive had this not been critical to our walk. What he does, he says, I want to give you a little bit of insight into what God is doing throughout the world. And I want to give you an illustration of a vineyard. And I want to show you what God wants to do in your life and what he wants to fulfill through your life. So he begins to talk about this vineyard. Give us this analogy of a vineyard. So he says here, let me back up, break it down a little bit. He says, I am divine. This is the first verse. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. In the fifth verse, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. So what Jesus is doing is he's illustrating three different parts of a growing, healthy vine in a vineyard that represents three persons with interdependent relationships that are used to produce something. Did you hear that? It's very important that we understand this. What we have is this analogy of a vineyard where this gardener manages this grapevine because he wants it to bear grapes. And Jesus was saying, now this is the illustration, but this is how God fulfills his purpose in your life, through your life, and into the world. So let's, let's do this. I'm going to give you a little bit of a quiz. First, I'm going to tell you what we're talking about, then I'm going to give you a quiz. The vine dresser is God the Father. The vineyard represents the world and God's purpose. The vine is Jesus, and this is the focus of the vine dresser or the father, and this is the focus of the father, and he is the source that gives nutrients to the branches. And the branches, well, that's you and me, the disciples, and that is the part that bears fruit. 
Okay, did you get that? Are you paying attention? All right, who's the vine dresser? Who? Father God, okay. Who are the branches? Who's the vine? Let me tell you something. When I gave that quiz to the first service, they just looked at me. I, I, they didn't make good, as good a grade as you did. In, they didn't make as good a grades as you did in school, I promise. I'm like, I'm like who's, who's the vine? The church, which is not exactly wrong. Who's the vine dresser? Jesus. They got it all wrong. So let's do it again, okay? Who are the branches? Who's the vine? Who's the vine dresser? Man, you guys are smart. I, I, I take back all the bad things I've been saying about the second service. All right. As branches, we are a work in progress. I think that's important to understand. It's kind of like he's the vine dresser and he's, he's, he's doing these things and he's managing. We are a work in progress. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 19, it says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's you are God's field, and you are God's building. Now, this is a building. This is what we call the church house or the building. But the building is where the church, you and me, the body of Christ, where we gather every single week and we celebrate the goodness of God. But you are God's building. You are God's field. You are the person. I am the person that God has a purpose and a plan to fulfill his, his purpose through. Ephesians 2 and 10, I like what he says here. He says, for you are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are a work in progress that that he's fine-tuning and he's tweaking and he's developing to be something that he wants us to be. God is fulfilling his work, fulfilling his purpose, and he's got a plan that he's fulfilling through you. And listen, it happens as a result of being connected to his church. And of course, I'm going to say something like that because I'm the pastor, but I believe strongly about the purpose of the church, that, that God has a purpose and a plan through your life that, that involves being connected to his church because the church is the body of Christ. That's why we have small groups, because we want you to learn and be connected to the body of Christ. That's why we have growth track. Growth track's going on right now in another part of the campus but it's not because we're just trying to make people you know, more disciple, not try to grow people in the knowledge of the word. It's not just about that. It's not, well, we want people to be a part of our connect group or we want people to be a part of our church or our club. It's not about that. It's that we want to invest in you because we believe that God has given you purposes, that God has given you abilities, that God has granted you some things and he has invested in you and you learn those things as being a part are being connected to his church. If you believe that, say amen. Now he confronts the disciples, and I believe if we were sitting there, he would confront us because we are also disciples of Christ about the Father's expectation for us to bear fruit. It's kind of like, listen, I have spent three years investing in you, but you need to understand something. You have walked around with the Messiah for the last three years. And you're about to start something from the church. You're about to receive the Holy Spirit in your life that's going to put your life in turbo mode. But God has an expectation about your life. So that's what he's doing. He says, here's what I want you to do. You've got to bear fruit. You've got to live fruitful lives. So with the remainder of my time, I want to talk to you about what it is to live a fruitful life and the expectation of what he means, what I believe he means by saying this. And and maybe you're sitting there and you might think, well, I don't know exactly what you mean, a fruitful life. Well, we're going to get there. 
we're going to talk about at the end of this message. We're going to get specific about what a fruitful life looks like. Okay, number one, the, the process of a fruitful life. Number one is the pruning process. The pruning process. And John 15 and 2, well, let me just say this before I read that. The idea of the pruning process is less now means more later. Less right now means more later. In John 15 and 2, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it. He doesn't just let it grow. He cuts that one back that it may bear more fruit. Pruning principle that I believe that we can grab from this verse. You may have to let go of something good today in order to have something great tomorrow. Did you hear that? You may have to let go of something good today in order to have something great tomorrow. I want to show you something. Do you guys ever prune any trees in your yard? I've got some crepe myrtles in my yard. You guys know what those are? You know what crepe myrtles are? We've got some down in the front of our apex. It's our office building. We call it the apex. And somebody, when we first got those a few years ago, said, listen to me. You've got to cut those all the way back to the stump. I'm like, that will kill those crepe myrtles. You trust me. So, I mean, they they did it. They cut them all the way back. I'm like, "You, you you basically just trash out the front of our building. That's what I was thinking. But like within weeks, Within weeks, they started, you know, blooming and, you know, they become these incredibly gorgeous branches and gorgeous trees. And, and, and you know, if, if you didn't do that, what, they, what happens is they spread out at the bottom and they fan out and they look terrible. They look like an upside down spider. You know what I'm saying? So you have to, what you have to do is every season, about February, March, you've got to cut those things all the way back to the back. You know, the Bible talks about as we just read here, he said that in order for God to do something great in your life in the future, he might need to prune your life right now. And he talks about two different types of branches that get pruned. And I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to tell you. The first type of branch that he might prune is a dead branch. A dead branch. Do you know that there might be some dead things in your life that are growing along with you that will take the life out of what God's trying to do and And if you don't take care of it, God might need to take care of it in your life, but you can't be resistant to the pruning that God has in your life. If you're walking around, if if you're experiencing new life, you're not going to experience new life carrying around dead baggage. So you you might need to prune a little bit. And sometimes this ain't enough. This ain't enough. I've had to make decisions about my life. This isn't enough. And, you know, I've got to take it up a notch. If if, if that pruning is not going to work, hey, i got some dead things in my life that aren't letting go very easy. I'm going to take it up a notch. Man, this thing will cut a, a two-inch branch. And when you cut, go cutting those, it takes more effort. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit of trouble, but dead branches got to go. Can I ask you a question? What's killing you that you need to cut loose in your life? What's killing you? The Bible says that when you, when you move or when you give your life to Christ, you move, you move from spiritual death to spiritual life. We are now alive in Christ. When you have given your life to Christ, you are alive in Christ. Well, you've got to cut loose from some dead things, from some habits that are, that are bringing death into your life. Some hobbies 
That, that's, just, that's just killing you. How about this? Some relationships. Don't look to each other. Look, look straight up here. God wants, to, God wants to take some dead relationships out of your life. Don't look at each other. I ain't t- if you're married, that's not what I'm talking about. Don't be going home saying, Pastor says, I need to cut you loose. All right, that's not what we're talking about. The thing is, is don't be surprised if you give your life to Christ and you've got this new life on the inside of you and also it, it will affect your behavior, right? It's gonna affect your behavior. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It's just that God is going to deal, deal with you and he's going to remind you and his Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and it's going to change your behavior. And that might not be so attractive to all your friends. They're not, they haven't experienced life. It's not that we're, you're going to, man, that, that friend of mine, they're a sinner, so man, I'm getting rid of all my sinner friends. I'm better than them. It's not about that. It's just that your behavior has changed and God is taking you in a different direction than what, where you just went. Remember, repent. Repent means to do an about face. You were once walking in sin, now you're walking in the way of life. So don't be surprised if you have to cut loose of a few friends. God might do that in your life. It's not that you're pushing them away. It's just that God has taken you to a place where some people can't go. Amen? And I've also learned that there is another kind of branch in your life. Sometimes you gotta, you got to go beast mode. You know what I'm saying? You gotta break out the electricity. Some things aren't killing you. Some things are just sucking all your resources and your time. Another branch that the Bible says gets trimmed are non-producing branches. God is less concerned about your beauty and your talent as much as he wants you to produce. At the end of the day, God saved you for a purpose and he wants to produce something in your life. Some things, they're not necessarily killing you. Some things are just taking up your resources and your time. A few years ago, I had to make a decision. When I went full-time ministry, I, was, I had about three irons in the fire of income and all these different things and relationships and, and, and whatever. And I'm like, hey, if God's going to take me in this direction, you know, I'm going to, you know, sometimes you got to look at, and, and maybe you need to hear this, you got to look at a few relationships in your life that are sucking your resources and taking up all your time. And you got to say, hey, look, I can do bad all by myself. I don't need any more problems from anybody else. Thank you but I need some good vibes in my life. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we got to do that to some people. Sometimes we got to do that to some habits. Sometimes we got to do that to some hobbies in our lives. God wants to take us in a place and all of our resources and all of our time are going in a different place. You might have to, you might have to go beast mode on a few things in your life, but God wants to prune your life to get you ready for some good things in your life. Amen? Sometimes we resist the pruning process. We try so hard to hang on to so many things when we don't realize that it's a dead thing or it's something that's, that it's not producing. Listen, I ain't got time for any more gossip in my life. I ain't got time for any more bad attitude or bringing everybody down demeanors in my life. I ain't got no, no time for any more bad vibes in my life. I don't need any more death in my life. I want to be willing for God to take some things out of my life. I don't want to resist that. I don't want to hold on to that with all of my might. I want to say, okay, God, if that's what you want to do in my life, I've got to release that. If you believe that, say amen. I'm done changing. 
or I'm done dealing with you changing your mind about me or whether or not you want to be a part of my life. I'm done with that. Let me just help you right now and just give that a clip. You ever been there where you had friends or you had relationships in your life, they kept changing their minds. Well, today I'm going to talk bad about you. Tomorrow I'm going to be your friend. Today I'm going to be close and I'm going to be your brother. Tomorrow I'm going to betray you. Let me just help you out. You know what I'm saying? Let God prune away the death and the non-producing things in your life. It is the only way that you can fulfill his commandment to live fruitful lives. If you believe that, say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm about to start cutting away. Look at your other neighbor and say, can I borrow your pocket knife? You may have to let go of the good things today in order to have the great things tomorrow. So the first fruitful life, the the process of a fruitful life, the first one is pruning. The second is abiding or staying connected to the source. You know, this word abide is mentioned 10 times in this passage. Anytime that a word is mentioned 10 times in just a few verses, I think God is trying to speak to us. In John 15 and 3, it says, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart apart from me, you can't do anything. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers and the branch, the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Like I said, 10 times abide is mentioned. Now, if you were to look up the word abide in our dictionary, it simply means this. It means to act in accordance to act in accordance, abide by the rules. That's the way we think of abide. But I love this Greek meaning of the word. The word is meno, which means to dwell or to continue in the presence of. So once again, we see the beauty of our relationship with our God. It's not about rules. It's not about regulation. It's about relationship. So Jesus is saying, hey, in order to fulfill what God wants you to do in your life, you need to stay connected to me. You can't do this alone. God's God's will for your life may feel like it's overwhelming, but if you abide in my presence, then that's where your life source comes from. Can I ask you a question when I'm talking about the presence of God? How much did you spend in the presence of God this past week? And I'm not trying to step on your toes because, okay, remember this, okay? Anytime a pastor start saying like things like this how much time did you spend praying how much did you how much time did you spend reading the word when he starts talking like this remember he's preaching to himself okay i read this scripture and the more i understand this i'm like oh man i got to close it and i got to you know lord forgive me for the way i you know what i'm saying so i'm not trying to point any fingers i'm i'm challenging you the way i've challenged myself this week that that how much time did you spend in the presence of god where you were just reading the word of god where you begin to understand the word of God. How much time did you spend praying, asking for direction? How much time did you spend thanking God for his goodness? How much time did you spend just listening to God? Lord, what would you say to me? What would you say to me through this scripture as I open it up and as I read it? How much time did you spend? Because my friend, that is abiding in the presence of God. And I know we have busy lives. And I know that we feel strung out sometimes. But that is your life source. That is is where God ministers in and through you. Jesus said, you've got to abide in me. And if you do that, 
God's going to give you the desires of your heart. Now, let me ask you a question. When I say God is going to give you the desires of your heart, where does your mind go? I know where my mind goes at first. You can have anything that you want. What about, what about a new 4x4? What about a new Harley Road Glide? Can I just be honest? If somebody, you can have whatever you want. But here's the thing. The closer I get to God and the more I spend abiding in him, the more my desires change. I can actually tell when I've spent presence or when I've spent time in the presence of the Lord because of the type of prayers that I pray. You see, when I, when I, when I abide in the Lord, it affects the words of my prayer. It's kind of like this. Instead of saying, Lord, will you bless me? It changes when I've been in the presence of God. And it changes to, Lord, will you make me a blessing? When I pray and when I'm abiding in Christ, it changes from, Lord, will you give me? Lord, will you give to me? It changes to, Lord, will you make me a giver? You see? Lord, will you? It changes from, Lord, will you protect me? Will you watch over me? It changes from that to, Lord, use me. Lord, take my life. Lord, do something with my life. I don't care what you do. My life is yours. I would lay down my life for your gospel. I can tell when I'm abiding in Christ. And that's what Jesus says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you're going to ask whatever you want. You see, it's according to his will. And it just so happens that my desires line up with his desires. We must stay connected in order to be and to live fruitful lives. Number, one, number three, the fruitful life process that he has commanded us. Number one is the pruning process. Number two is biting. And number three is producing. In other words, we are saved for his purpose. We are saved for his purpose. God has something greater for you when he saved you than just to get all dressed up and come down here and look pretty on Sunday mornings. And thank you for that, by the way. I'm glad that you, you look nice. But that's not the purpose He's got a plan for your life. And John 15 and 16 says, listen to this. You did not choose me. I chose you. I think that we need to hang on to that truth that, that God chose us. Now, you decided to say yes to him choosing you, but you didn't choose Jesus. He already chose you even before you gave your life to him. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you. I had a directive for your life before You came to know me. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he shall give it to you. He's talking about the things that you desire that run accordance to bearing fruit, that affect the world. You know, there is this reoccurring theme throughout the scriptures of the Bible that reminds us of a few things, that reminds us us of the expectations of our Lord. We understand that that God has made this incredible investment. First of all, he's made this sacrifice, his son. He made this huge sacrifice that he gave his son so you could be saved. And second of all, he made this investment into our lives called the church. So with this sacrifice and with this investment, God has done all these things, not just because he loves you. Yes, he does love you, but he has a plan for you in mind. He's made this investment because he wants to produce something not only in you, but he wants to produce something through you. And that is that we produce fruit 
And here's what we find out as a result of him making this sacrifice and in making this investment into our lives. We find out that, that first, our lives aren't just about us. What he did isn't just about you. What he has done for you, it is about you, but it's not just about you. The second truth that we find from this undercurring theme is that we're not supposed to waste our lives. Because of what he's done, how he's blessed you, how he's invested in you, how he has made a sacrifice in your life. First of all, remember, it's not just about you. And second of all, remember, don't waste your life. Because you can waste your life. And in fact, we read about how we can waste our life in Galatians 5 and 19. I want to read it quickly. He says, when you follow the desires of the sinful nature, you can either follow Christ or you can follow the desires of the sinful nature. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions, evil, drunkenness, wild parties. Look at your friend quickly and then look back. Wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, in case you didn't get it the first time, he says, let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know how that can be any more clear. Here's the deal. Sin isn't just about bad behavior. Now, we said this last week that sin, it's not that sin makes you bad. Sin makes you dead, and we're talking about a spiritual death. It'll destroy your life here on earth, but we're also talking a spiritual death. But sin isn't just about bad behavior. Sin is a waste of the most precious thing in this world, and that is a human life. So here's the deal that we got to understand. When you live a lifestyle of sin, you waste the life that God has for you. We're not up here preaching and telling you to change your ways and and preaching to ourselves because we just want to change and we just want to be nice people. Sin wastes your life. God has a plan and God has a calling for your life. God has something incredible that he wants to do with your life. But if you're chasing the pleasures of this world, if you're chasing sin, if you can't do what God has called you to do because you're wrapped up in things that you shouldn't be doing, it wastes your life. And one of these days you're going to stand before God and you're going to see how you've wasted your life. And you're going to see all the things that you could have done, but you didn't because you were too busy wasting your life. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm the last person to judge. It's not about that. I'm just trying to tell you I see so many people that have so much potential to bear fruit and live fruitful lives, but they're too busy wrapped up in things and selfish desires and doing things that they want to do. The rest of that verse says, but the Holy Spirit produces. Look at that word produces. Remember, he wants us to live productive, fruitful lives. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of what? Fruit. There it is again. Two different authors, two different books of the Bible, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. He produces some things. So so we see that a, a, a productive, fruitful life is, first of all, revealed in our lifestyle. Living for God is not about good, but the fruit of a life that lives for God is righteousness. Righteousness is simply a a, a way that the Bible calls just living right. We're not better 
than you people. It's just that we're trying to live according to the scripture. So all of these things, and it's just not, not about, it's just not only about not sinning, it's about showing these characteristics because I see Christians that aren't living right, that aren't showing, that, that you don't see any joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And, it's, and we are a work in progress, but this is the fruit. Our lifestyle is first the fruit of a fruitful life. And the next is making disciples. Not only does it matter how we live, yes, it matters how we live, but it matters how we live because God wants to bear fruit through you and he wants you to make disciples. What is the Great Commission? Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. You've got to be an example in order to make a disciple. And God wants to bring people to life through your life. That it was his plan all along. Listen, all the pruning, all the abiding, it's about you, but it's not just about you. It's much, much bigger than that. It's about God trying to save the world through you, trying to save the people in your world through you. It matters what you do. It matters how you live. And I believe that the, Jesus is, was trying to say that to the disciples on his very last night here on earth, that it matters how you live. It matters what you do. It matters that you get your life together. It matters that you bear fruit because People are counting on you. There are people that don't know me, and they're not going to know me unless you speak, unless you live it, unless you preach it. Your life matters. You must bear fruit. You must bear fruit. You must bear fruit. Time is short. I'm coming back. You must bear fruit. Amen? I want to close with this. When Jesus said this, I am the vine. He was saying this. I am your source and I am your everything. The process for this is first of all pruning. In order for me to take you to a place, I'm going to have to cut some things back. In order for me to give you what I want to give you in the future, you're going to have to do with less today. Will you Give me the opportunity to cut some things back in your life. I know it's going to hurt a little bit. I know it, it hurts on the inside and you're going to suffer a little bit, but I'm telling you for where I'm going to take you, you're going to have to let go of this. That's the pruning process. And then he talks about abiding. He's basically saying, I am the vine, I am your source. You can't do this without me. Stop trying to do this without me. You're trying to live a life. You're trying to walk in righteousness. You're trying to show the characteristics. You're, you're, listen, if you're doing this without me, you're faking it. Because you can't do it without me. It's impossible. You need to abide in me. Basically, you need to spend time with me. You need to spend more time with me. And then when you do those things, that's when you begin to produce. That's when God begins to work his plan through your life. Man, stay connected to the vine. Give God an opportunity to work through you because wait till you see what God is going to do through your life. He's got to bless you in order for, to, to, he's got to bless you in order to bring blessings through you. So give God that chance. These aren't suggestions. This be fruitful. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. One way or another, we give an account for our lives one of these days. Jesus was just letting you know when he said, I am the vine, he's saying, I'm your source for this. Don't try to do this without me. I don't know where you are today, but I hope God speaks to you right now. 
And whatever he would say to you, I hope it's yes. Let me pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that is here, and I thank you for speaking to us today. And I believe that you've confronted us about areas in our life that need to be changed. So I pray, Father, that we will be receptive to anything that you want to say to us today. In the name of Jesus, as your heads are bowed, everybody's praying, nobody moving around just for a few minutes. If you can say, Travis, I live for God. He's Lord and Savior of my life, but right now he's speaking to me about the fruitful life process and the pruning, the abiding, the producing. If God is speaking to you, maybe there are some things that you need to let go of that you're having trouble letting go of. Or maybe the issue is that you have been neglecting the time that you need to spend with Christ. And it's affecting him producing something through your life. Once again, this is not about living for God. This is just about as one of his children, God is speaking to you about one of these areas. If so, I want to pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's here. I thank you for speaking to us. I thank you for confronting us. What areas in our lives are killing us that we need to let go of? What areas in our lives are sucking all of our resources that you would cut those areas away that we can move forward, that we can experience what you want us and where you want to take us to? Let us be receptive to that. Father, if we have neglected spending time with you, I pray that we make that a priority, that we wake up in the morning knowing that this is a day that we are going to prioritize abiding in you. And as we do these things, you will produce through our lives. And we will walk in the knowledge of knowing that we're bearing fruit. In the name of Jesus. If you receive that same man, if you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Christ and he's not Lord and Savior of your life for whatever reason, maybe you can say, Travis, I, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Maybe, you've said, maybe you can say, Travis, I, I once lived for God, but I walked away from him. And the good news is, is God doesn't walk away from you, but sometimes we feel the need to rededicate our lives, and that's okay. God's not offended if you want to rededicate your life. So if you can say, Travis, I want to rededicate my life to Christ. Or maybe you can say, I don't know, but I do know this. I know that I want to have hope in the Lord Jesus. And God is speaking to me today. Wherever you are today, you know that you want to be connected to God. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. I'm not going to single you out. I just want to say a prayer over you. And you can give your life to Christ right where you're seated. But just between you, me, and God, i just like to know if there are people here so I know if I'm praying for people. If you can say, Travis, if you'll pray that prayer, I'm going to pray it with you. Just slip your hand up quickly and put it down. Can anybody say that? See so your hand in the back, over here on the right. Anybody else? You can put it down. Anybody else? That's me, Travis. I just want to know that you're serious. I'm going to ask one more time, just in case you've been thinking about it. See your hand over on the right. You can put it down. Anybody else? Okay, we're going to pray. And if you lifted your hand, I would like for you to repeat this prayer after me. We'll all pray this together. If I didn't see your hand, God not only saw your hand, but he saw your heart. 
even if you didn't lift your hand, but you want to make things right with God, just repeat this prayer after me. This is a spiritual thing that takes place, and you can come home to God right now. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I am before you today, and I give you my life. Jesus, I invite you to be Lord and Savior of my life, and I commit my life to you today. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins, to wash me clean and whole, And I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is dedicated to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.